Hello and welcome to the Overtime Heroics Baseball Podcast Cheap Seats Chatter. My name is Matthias Altman Kurosaki, and with me, as always, we have Alex Clark. Uh, first things first, Alex, how are you doing today? You know, doing all right. Baseball season is right around the corner. It's pretty good day over here on the West Coast, but you know what? I'm always itching ready to talk some baseball. So, how are you doing today? Doing good. I mean, it's getting it getting nice in, on the East Coast. It's actually feeling like spring. I mean, we, you know, temperature around 80 degrees today. It was it was nice. It it feels like baseball season. I mean, we got, you know, the season starts in six days. And I'm I'm so excited for it. It's going to be a good time. I'm really excited to finally say a 162 game season again after the 60 game season last year, which I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm thankful we even had a season last year, like after everything that was going on with with the virus and all that fun stuff. I'm really glad the fact that we even had baseball last year. and Now we can get back to having a real baseball season. Yeah, I certainly cannot wait. Um, my Mets get that primetime game on Thursday night. So, you know, I'm going to be, you know what I'm going to be doing on Thursday night. Oh yeah. Obviously. So yeah, obviously, uh, you know, with the season drawing closer, we've been starting to make these predictions. And last week we focused on our division winners and our world series predictions. And this week we will be discussing our awards predictions for the rookie of the year, Cy Young and MVP in both leagues. Um, you know, I was thinking today we'd start off uh, with a a choice where uh, or with a, an award that, you know, not not as clear at the beginning of the year who will win it. But it's the rookie of the year. Um, you know, normally it, it, it can be hard to project who wins this award, especially, you know, you don't know who's uh, who's brief audition in the majors was just a fluke or who uh, who has performed in the minors, but maybe won the big league. So, uh you know, why, why don't we start? We're going to start in the American League today. Let's go. Uh, who do you think the American League Rookie of the Year is going to be? So I find it kind of funny that you brought up that it's really hard to predict this because you're right. It really is. I'll say last year I actually did predict it. That's because I'm a homer. But I predicted it after about a good, I think, two weeks into the season. I was able to predict that Kyle Lewis would be the Rookie of the Year and then he ended up being the unanimous um, Rookie of the Year. So for this season... I'm going to call out something that, honestly, this fans will call me a homer for this, but it's fine. I don't care. I'll take it. Although I'm going to say that after all of the all the crap that happened during the offseason with Seattle, where you had the Kevin Mather stuff talking about certain players, sorry, with certain players that either, it's like whether it was racial, whether it was anything, one of the players that was talked about was Jared Kelnick. And Kelnick has been one of the more polarizing names when it comes to rookies, when it comes to prospects, because he, uh, it's almost just more of a matter of not when, but it's like not if, but when he comes up, it's going to be amazing to see. Kelnick has not played a single game in the majors yet. In fact, he's never even played a single game in triple A yet. He has only played the highest at double A ball. But you know what? I've been watching him. People, fans have been watching. We saw a little bit of him in 2020 during the practice games before the season actually started. And now we're seeing him during spring training where in nine games, 23 plate appearances for a guy that has never played in the big leagues is batting 333, slugging 
778 with an on-base percentage of 478, an OPS of over 1250. I, you know what, it hasn't happened before in Mariner history, but you know what, I think the Mariners are going to have back-to-back American League Rookies of the Year. I think that after saying that Kelnick will not be in the major leagues at the start at, on opening day, after saying that because of what Mathers was saying, trying to manipulate the service time, I think the Mariners are going to try their best to just throw all those comments aside by bringing him up at the very start. He is going to play and he is going to dominate and will be your American League Rookie of the Year. Yeah, so I actually did a very early awards prediction article back, I think, in January. And at the time, I did put Kellenic down uh, for Rookie of the Year. Uh, my only question is, Will Kellenic be in the big leagues this year? And I think, you know, I think he will make it at some point. Uh, I just don't know when that will be. Uh, I mean, he does have very good minor league numbers at eight, eight, an 882 OPS. Uh, he's also only 21 years old. So I would love, I mean, I say this even as a Mets fan, like I would love to see Kellenic come up and produce. And I, I, I really hope he does become a star. Um, even if, you know, obviously it won't be for the Mets anymore, but still, I have high hopes for him. Uh, so Kelnick is a guy who a lot of people have picked, but a lot of people have been picking Randy Rosarena, actually, because uh, it, it's hard to believe, but Rosarena is rookie eligible still. Uh, he has not met the 100 plate appearance uh, benchmark yet in the majors. And I understand that, but I'm going to go with a guy who I think people are sleeping on a little bit. Um, and that's Garrett Crochet. Um, Garrett Crochet, uh, it, it will really depend on how Tony LaRussa uses him. Another guy, he's only 21, uh, fireballing lefty. I've made the comparison to Billy Wagner in the past. I really think that his future is in the bullpen. I mean, this is a guy, I think he could be very similar to Devin Williams last year, you know, a, rook, a rookie reliever who just, you know, baffles hitters with his stuff. I think that. This is a guy, I mean, he throws a fastball triple digits regularly with nice breaking stuff. I think that, you know, obviously Liam Hendricks will be the primary closer for the White Sox. But, you know, say Hendricks is getting overused a little bit or he's worked three days in a row or two days in a row. And maybe the opposing team has some lefties coming up. I could see Crochet also getting some closer reps. So I, I think that, you know. If Tony LaRusso does this properly, uh, Crochet will be one of the primary setup men for the White Sox, and I truly think he can have a great season. I mean, I was very impressed with him last year. Uh, he threw six scoreless innings in his brief appearance in the majors. Uh, he pitched for a little bit in the postseason. I mean, I, I think he has the tools to win Rookie of the Year. So it it's not – I mean, he hasn't been – picked by many but i do th i think garrett crochet will win the al rookie of the year i think that's that's honestly a solid pick because what's kind of funny is you brought up the devin williams uh you brought the devin williams idea here and what's really funny is we kind of have the same thing that happened last year with the brewers is now happening with the white Sox, where they have the established guy as the closer 
for the White Sox, it's it's Hendricks. But they have the young guy as well that is an absolute lightning rod of a player. Yeah, Garrett Crochet is an absolute legend. Watching him play is really fun. Like I say legend as not just as in like he's he's had the accolades, but just watching him play is electric. It's fun watching Garrett Crochet throw a baseball. I like the idea because again, you can't say that uh rookie that relievers don't get any love, especially after Williams winning it the award for the Brewers last year. I just wonder that if he's since he's not gonna be the closer, how much love is he going to get in that position? I do think like this will maybe be a bit of a hot take here, but I think that Crochet will probably overtake Hendricks as the main closer. I just have a feeling that even though he is lucky, you brought up a great comparison with uh, Wagner. I think he's going to just win out that position. There's going to be a battle. Larusa is an old school manager. He knows that one of the things that he's been very true on is that no one's job is safe. And if he thinks that Crochet is the hot hand, he's going to go to Crochet. So we'll see going forward on that. I think that he has a good chance if he could replicate a bit of what he did last year. So for the White Sox, again, Chris Schaefer, anyone who's also played MLB The Show knows just how dominant he could be. Or oh, that card is insane, them. yes. The card, the card has not left my bullpen since it, since it came into the game for free, mind you. Um, so no, like seeing crochet pitch, I think there's a good chance with it. I still think I'm going to go with Kelnick as my pick, just because I think the Mariners are going to have to pull off that kind of power play of trying to get rid of the, the stenches of what Mathers had said at that rotary breakfast club meeting. My word, so stupid, but there's, there's a lot that's going to happen. Kelnick is going to be really good. I think there's actually a good chance. I was actually reading um, some, I actually got a comment on a previous article that I wrote for Overtime Heroics predicting the 2022 Mariners, where Kelnick actually takes over center field for Kyle Lewis. And I think that makes a lot of sense, actually. He's got more speed than Lewis, and that makes Lewis become a gold glove caliber fielder in left field and Kelnick if his defense is looking like it's been looking in the minors and in the practice inter squad games that were going on last year over in Tacoma then he has that ability to just be a lightning rod defensively and offensively so I think both of these are solid picks um that could but the one thing that does give crochet a, a great edge is that he's actually played in the majors he's actually had some experience now which for rookie of the year is a little bit of a hard thing to pick, but you know, I, I think crochet is a great pick as well. Yeah. And I will say, uh, you know, last year, Devin Williams was also not the closer. In fact, Devin Williams didn't record a single save during the season, but I think if crochet really puts on a show the way Williams did, or the way Craig Kimbrell did his rookie year, or Houston street or the other relievers who have won rookie of the year, Andrew Bailey. Uh, I remember it recently in the AL and, or Niftali Feliz, like, I think if he does something like that, and even if he just picks up, say, like 10 saves or something throughout the year, I think that he'll get enough love from the voters that he can win. This is a very good chance of that. I think that's I think that's very true. I also just think that with LaRusso there, that he's gonna get some chances to be the closer. Especially if they start do if they really start competing and seeing which one really is better, LaRusso's gonna look at the matchups, I think, and we'll just if there's any lefties coming up, he knows he's probably gonna go to crochet. Yeah, and you you have to ride the hot hand, in my opinion. So mm-hmm. I wouldn't be I wouldn't be too surprised, you know, 
uh, this is something the Brewers do with Josh Hader, which is, you know, maybe you put in, you put in crochet and you haven't pitched the last six outs, you know, maybe, maybe he gets more of those opportunities, which can mm-hmm. definitely help his stats. I would get, yeah, he used to be a starter. So yeah, I know he's got, so he's got some longevity. He doesn't just throw 102 for 10 pitches and then he's done. He could throw 20, 30 pitches and still be fine to potentially throw the next day or the day after. So with crochet, I mean, yeah, that's a lot of versatility, versatility that Larusa would be dumb to waste. Well, yeah. So, I mean, I, I definitely am high on crochet. I'm sure a lot of people are, um, hopefully Tony Larusa notices and, uh, Let's him shine this year. Uh, any other final thoughts on the rookie of the year race in the AL? I think there's got a lot of names that's coming out. The one thing that makes me happy just as a Mariner diehard is that there are a lot of Mariner names that are coming up that I've been hearing a lot of people say. People have been saying Kelnick. Some people have been saying Logan Gilbert as a potential rookie of the year candidate. I've been seeing people say a lot of names. And the fact that this youth movement for Seattle, which again, if you guys are so interested, I actually just wrote an article about the youth movement for overtime heroics. It is now, now out. You can go find it there on the website, but for it right now, the youth movement is really starting to come up for Seattle and the young guys. We're starting to see that we're starting to see that these pieces are really starting to be. And last year where uh, where Kyle Lewis was no one was no one was talking about him. I mean, going to the start of the season, very few people that were not Mariner fans were talking about Kyle Lewis. By the end of the season, everybody knew the name. And that's something that's really special about him. He was as as I kind of dubbed him the forgotten rookie of the year because of the injuries he had. So what you brought up at the very start of this, saying that it's really hard to predict because you don't know how it's going to start. That's really true. You don't know. There could be some other rookie. Like some people have brought up Andrew Vaughn as another rookie of the year candidate in the American League. So, again, you can never really tell. The first month, two months of the season, though, I think will will say a lot, though. Yeah, and I'm glad you mentioned Vaughn because that is another guy who I think will definitely compete, uh, with, especially with the recent injury to Eloy Jimenez. Uh, Tony Arusa has... Tr- uh, is going to be giving Andrew Vaughn a look in left field now. So uh, there is a very real possibility we do see Andrew Vaughn in the outfield. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and uh, we could see him him and Crochet on the opening day roster for the White Sox. So anyway, uh, let's. I say we move on and talk about the next award, which is the AL Cy Young Award, which in my opinion might it, – this – I think was the toughest decision uh, I had to make in this, in this uh, competition. I agree with you. There's a few names that are that really kind of stand out to you that there are some really good arms in the American league and people will kind of forget that. Cause you'll look at the national league and say, dang, they've got all these big guys. And then including the last year's last year's Cy Young winner and Trevor Bauer with the Dodgers. But you take a look at the American league and there's some, there's some dang good starting pitchers there, too. I'm going to go with a bit of an interesting pick, and it's something that doesn't happen very often. I'm going to go with Shane Bieber for my pick. Now, normally, I'm not a big, I'm not the biggest fan of the kind of pitcher that Bieber is. Bieber is not a fastball-throwing guy. I like fastballs. He's not the guy that's going to strike out a billion people, but you know what he is going to do? He's not going to walk people, and that's what I like. For in the 2020 shortened season, he absolutely went off 
122 strikeouts in just, what was it for him, in just 12 games started and only walked 21 people. Then you go to the season before that, was also incredible, striking out 259 and only walking 40 in 34 games started. That's an average of just over one walk per game. That is elite-level control. The last two years, Shane Bieber has been either the Cy Young Award winner or in the top four for Cy Young. I think that, honestly, as long as he keeps going, he's going to be fine. One, We're seeing right now that voters and writers, people that are going for these kinds of awards, they're looking less and less at wins, which is good because the Cleveland Indians are really starting to fall. What they are going to be looking at? ERA. They're looking at strikeouts, walks, hits given up. They look at innings pitched. They're looking at everything else that you can do. And one thing to kind of go back to 2019 that is also really impressive for Bieber is that not only did he have three complete games, he had two complete game shutouts. Like, this guy is good. This guy is solid. And I don't know what it is, but he has really been the hot hand here in the American League, especially for the Cleveland Indians. I think he's going to repeat as a Cy Young award winner. You know, uh, I think Bieber probably, you know, he's he's getting picked by a lot of people to repeat. And I understand that he's coming off a fantastic season. Um, my thing with Bieber is that while he had a fantastic season last year, I mean, don't get me wrong. He won the pitching triple crown. I mean, he was simply amazing. But, you know, I don't know if you'll ever I, you know, I, I'm trying to think of a way to, you know. He's a great pitcher, but at the same time, I don't think he's as good as last year showed. I mean, it's just, you know, a 1.63 ERA, uh, 14.2 strikeouts per nine. Those are great numbers, but also you got to remember the competition he was facing. Uh, the central divisions last year were awful. Um, offensively, they were just very weak. Uh, he got to face a lot of that. And, uh, you know, while he is a great pitcher, I mean, it showed the year before he was an all-star. He was all-star game MVP somehow. Um, I just, I, I'm not sure if he can replicate it. I mean, we saw him, he got shelled by the Yankees in the playoffs. I mean, he got, he all of a sudden had to face a team with a stronger offense and he faltered. So that's my one knock on Bieber. But uh, my pick is, I, I don't know if I'd call this a dark horse. But I'm going to go with Tyler Glasnow, actually. Um, Tyler Glasnow was my pick last year, if you wouldn't believe it. Uh, and uh, he, he didn't quite get there last year. But uh, I think that I, I, I really believe in Glasnow. You know, he, he has high strikeouts. His ERA was a little high last year, but his FIP and his whip indicate that he's going to be just fine. Uh, 91 strikeouts and 57 in a third innings. That's 14.3 strikeouts per nine, which is actually higher than Bieber's. Uh, he also, he has some of the nastiest stuff in the league. I mean, he, he's got a fastball that averages about 97 miles per hour. His curveball, uh, Foolish Baseball did a fantastic video on this. His curveball is arguably the dirtiest pitch in baseball. Uh, its spin rate is almost 3,000 revolutions. Um, I just... No, I think that Glasnow, the key to it for him is going to be staying healthy. He was off to a fast start in 2019, then he got injured. Uh, last year, he battled injuries, too. I think, though, if he puts together a full season of you know consistent 
you know, strong pitching, I think he gets the Cy Young. So it might be a bit of a bolder pick, just like Crochet, but I have Tyler Glasnow winning the Cy Young this year. And definitely not a bad pick either. Like you said, he's got some filthy stuff. The problem that just always kind of worries me is is that ERA a little bit. But like you said, the FIP and the whip definitely working well in his favor. I think he is going to be a very strong contender to it. One guy that's definitely again not a dark horse by any stretch that some people are kind of that people are talking about is Garrett Cole. But I always kind of I'm a little wary when it comes to Cole. Yes, he's absolutely fantastic. Yes, he's an amazing pitcher. But when you pitch in New York and you're pitching against some of these bigger teams, you're going to have problems. Like, you're, there's just th- – some things will happen. He's still an amazing pitcher. Don't get me wrong. And in the shortened season last year, still did well. Not um, not the that is great as he has done in the past, but still exceptionally well. I think I still stay with my pick of Bieber, just because I value ERA extremely. I, I value ERA a lot, and like you said, the numbers for Glasnow, FIP, and WHIP. Well, we take a look at the FIP and WHIP for uh for Bieber, and for him, that FIP is a two point oh seven, and that WHIP is a point eight six six. Like in that shortened season last year, and then you want to go one even further back, the year beforehand, where it was before all it was like the, where it was before the sixty game season, he still had a fifth of three point three two and a whip of one point zero five four. That's that's really good. So he is definitely benefiting from have from pitching in a central division that is very weak overall. But you're still gonna be pitching a lot of games against them. And there are still you're still be pitching against every team in the American League, just like every American League team does, and then some of the National League. I think he's going to be just fine. I think is again he's got some amazing stuff. He's got some really good move to the pitches. I think he's going to be just fine. Yeah, and I I'm not doubting Bieber's ability necessarily. I think that he'll definitely be at least top five. Um, it's just that I, I just don't know how amazing he will be. Uh, and I'm glad you mentioned Garrett Cole because, yes, another name that is getting mentioned a fair amount is Garrett Cole. Obviously, he's on that massive contract with the Yankees. Um, he probably should have won Cy Young in 2019, and he was fourth last year. I think you know Cole is a very good pitcher, don't get me wrong, uh, but... The one thing is that him and Glasnow actually have a similar issue, which is the home run ball. Uh, last year, you know, well, he always had a bit of a homer issue. Uh, he, at least in Houston in 2019, he allowed 29 homers in 212 innings, which is 1.2 per nine, which I guess isn't completely terrible, but, you know, it's still a little concerning. And then last year in 73 innings, he allowed 14 homers, which is 1.7 per nine. Uh, his strikeout rate also dropped. Uh, his fastball velocity dropped a little bit. His whiff percentage fell dramatically on his fastball to just 20, uh, to 25.9%, down from 375 in 2019. Uh, Cole, I, I don't get me wrong, he's a great pitcher, but I just I think that he might be sort of on a downward trend, whereas I think guys like Glasnow and Bieber are both trending upwards. Uh, mm-hmm. I know... I'm not I'm not trending upwards for Bieber in the way that he's still going to be consistently amazing, like not like maybe not what he was last year, but he's still going to be great. 
Uh, and I think Glasnow, he he's young and he still has plenty of room to grow. I think that both these guys are going to be fantastic this year. I think Cole will be great too. I think those are probably the top three finishers in my opinion, but you know, it's going to be, it's going to be close. I mean, this was the toughest decision we had in my opinion, but Mm -hmm. I think I'm feeling safe. I'm, I'm feeling like Glasnow, uh, Bieber, Cole will probably be the top three finishers. That's honestly, again, you, you almost said the word safe there, and I think that is fairly safe to see that those three are going to be within the top five at the very least. Because you also know there's probably going to be some guy out there that's just going to have an absolute monster of a season. Like, we didn't even talk about Hyunjin Ryu or Ryu Hyunjin. Yeah, and or, or Kenta Maeda. Exactly, exactly. they had fantastic, fantastic year, 2020s. Yeah. yeah, they had fantastic 2020s. So, you, you know, these are just the guys that we think right now are going to be in that top, but that does not mean at any stretch that we think those guys are going to not do well. Again, I think that's uh, Ryo, that Ryo Jin is going to be absolutely incredible. I think he is a phenomenal arm. I really like him. Um, and Kenta Maeda, again, has also done some really good stuff. So the American League's got some really good arms, which I think is really fun to watch because, again, you have more star power in the National League arms, but the, the American League arms, don't don't give them any flack. They're doing good. Yeah, and a lot of people will probably also mention Lucas Giolito, who's coming off oh, of two true. very strong seasons in a row. And I honestly wouldn't be surprised to see him sneak up there. Uh, I think he could probably be a top five guy. Uh, so, you know, it's going to be a, it's going to be a battle. No real clear favorite, but there's a, just a bunch of collection of guys who are all very good. And uh, obviously look out for the people, the relievers who will somehow get down vote uh, or not down vote, down ballot uh, votes for the Scion, because that always happens, you know. But um, I think that, uh, you know, that's that's all I got to say. Uh, oh, well, actually, one quick thing was that. Uh, Tyler Glasnow probably would have been a Cy Young contender in 2019. I mean, he had a 1.78 ERA, but unfortunately, he did succumb to a, to an injury. So, uh, any any other thoughts on the Cy Young race in the AL? There's a lot of names that could really do that could really win this award. Like we just talked about, I think over the course of this discussion, we've brought up like what six different names of all guys that could potentially win it. That's what I love about this is that there are so many different guys that can that this there's no just one right answer. Like for some of these, a lot of we're like, this is the guy. This is the guy that we expect. This one, we would not be surprised if there's like there are 10 different guys. That we would be like, oh, you know, that makes sense. You know, that makes sense. You know, that makes sense. So that's one thing I like about this award. All righty, then. Uh, I say we move on and uh, move over to the uh, mo- most coveted award you could win, uh, mm-hmm. which is obviously the most valuable player award. Uh, we'll start. Obviously, we're, we're on the AL. We're going to go with the AL MVP award. Uh, obviously, there's one guy who is the most popular pick every year mm-hmm. nowadays. But uh, well, who do you think is going to win the, the the MVP this year? Yeah, I, I love that you brought that up, that he's the common pick. He's the one that everyone goes for. Well, guess what? I'm everyone. I'm picking Trout. I mean, you take a look. And we talked about this during our Centerfield versus video. Well, uh, podcasts, excuse me. From 2012 all the way through 2020, so his entire the entirety of his major league career, except for 2019, where he played in 40 games, he has been within the top five in the MVP voting. That's stupid. 
That's video game numbers right there. Yeah, I, I don't 20... know how else that happens. Yeah, no, I'm 99% sure we're just living in an MLB The Show uh, connected franchise, and Mike Trout is the one who is doing the road of the show. But, you know, I look at this, I look at Mike Trout, I don't think this guy's ever going to slow down at this point. I mean, you know what's also really weird to see here? Mike Trout is going into his age 29 season. He's not even 30. And he has still been on this trend. He has been absolutely phenomenal his entire career. And last year, in the shortened 60-game season, was the lowest that he has ever finished in the MVP voting. And that was at fifth. Some guys in their entire careers, if they got one year being fifth in the MVP voting, would say, you know what, that's my best season I've ever had. For him, that's his worst. That's just how much on, on another level. This guy really is. Mike Trout's the easy pick, but there's a reason why it's the easy pick. Sometimes that's the right answer. Yeah, I mean, uh, Trout even said it himself that he was disappointed in his last season. But, you know, if a bad season is having a 993 OPS and slugging over 600 and still being over 60% better than the league average and being on pace for 46 homers, which would be a career high, I mean, clearly... Clearly, you're doing something right. He has um, a career OPS of 1,000. Exactly. A not OPS a one-season OPS, not a two-season, three-season, over the span of 10 years in Major League Baseball. This guy has an OPS of exactly 1,000. Which that's, is just, that's, that's unreal. That's, that's asinine. It's stupid. Yeah. And I mean, oh, I, I just don't know. It's just... You know, he's he's got a career war of 74.5 already. I mean, geez, I don't I don't know how, um, you know, some Hall of Famers don't even reach that. And this yeah. dude has played in the majors for 10 years. He's um, not even 30. He has yeah. not even hit the second half of his career more than likely. Yeah. And you look at the uh, baseball reference similarity scores by age. and Ever since he was 21, his similarity scores have been... So for 21, it was Frank Robinson. From 22 to 24, it was Mickey Mantle. For 25 and 26, it was Frank Robinson again. At 27, it was Mickey Mantle. And at 28, it was Frank Robinson again. I mean, he's being he's already on the same playing field as these legends. I mean, I just... You know, some, some people may call us boring or whatnot, but I can't not pick Mike Trout this year. I, I mean... I think Trout, he's already a three-time MVP. He's finished in the top five every year he's played. He's, or every, I mean, I don't know, every full season, I guess, because 2011, that was just a brief audition for him. Uh, And then last year, he only played in 53 games because we had a shortened season. Um, You know, he's going to keep slugging. I'm sure he'll find a way to keep running fast and stealing occasional bases. Only stole one last year, but, you know, he still, he can still do his thing. Uh, his defense may decline a little bit. Maybe he'll move over to right field at some point or left field. But, I mean, he I, – I, I have to pick him to win MVP. Mike Trout, yes, both of us are picking Mike Trout to win MVP in the AL. I mean, I just – it's hard he, not to. Here's the thing. People will get mad at us saying that, oh, that's the easy pick. Oh, that's the easy pick. Guess what? If you're picking the answer of 2 plus 2 to equal 4, 
that's called being the obvious answer because there's a reason yes. it's the obvious answer. You can, you can't just say that two plus two equals five because that is the hot pick or the underdog pick. No, you're exactly. just flat out wrong. That, yeah. that, that's not how that makes sense. When it comes to Mike Trout, it kind of feels like it's a math equation. There is a right Basically. answer and there is a wrong answer. With Mike Trout, he is the right answer. Oh yeah, every year he's going to be the right. He's he. I mean, he's just he's the right answer. I mean, you could try there have been years where i've been trying to be uh creative with it but i every year i'm like who am i gonna pick and i always just you know you just go with mike trout. i mean just, yeah it's, it's mike trout you every can put, year you can put the numbers into the calculator a hundred different ways but you're still gonna come up with mike trout as the answer yeah like, nah, you, you take a look at easily. what he is you take a look at all the players that are in major league baseball right now and if you ha- are asked to have one to build your franchise around or just to have one player. If you could have any one player in baseball, I don't care if you have already a stacked outfield. That answer is going to be trout. Yeah. He's the best player. He's like LeBron, you know, (sighs) it's LeBron James. It's Wayne Gretzky. It's Tony Hawk. It's Michael uh, Phelps. Michael Phelps, yeah. I was trying to think of another baseball reference for it, but I mean, he's Mickey Mantle. He's Babe Ruth. Except actually, you know, good. Um, sorry, <laughs> I had to, I had to throw a little shade there on on the babe. Sorry, I love you, buddy, but yeah. Anyway, shall we move on to the National League side? Uh, yeah, let's move over to the National League. Uh, so yeah, Mike Trout. I'm sure there's other guys in the AL who are cha- who will challenge for it. I mean, last year's winner was Jose Abreu. DJ Mayhew maybe will try to keep up again, but. I hey, think Kyle Lewis after winning the rookie of the year yeah, is Kyle gonna go Lewis, on a, is gonna hit uh three is gonna hit three seventy five with fifty five home runs and a uh, hundred eighty five RBIs. It's all right, yeah, great. then boom, Kyle. Boom. Kyle I Lewis think, will be the greatest of all time. Yeah, Please? you know, there's there's gonna be guys, you know, like uh, Aaron, Aaron Judge maybe will challenge him, but uh, you know, once once Mookie Betts left the AL, I mean, that was. Trout's main challenger, in my opinion, and uh, yeah. now he's in the NL. So, yep. so you know, that's it. Be- that's it became a one horse on. race. It became a one horse. Yeah, race it just, you know, uh, yeah, man, Mike Mike Trout's just he's just uh, wow, he's really good at he, uh, baseball. Mike wow. Trout is good at baseball. Is the same as saying water is wet, grass is green, and we like baseball. Exactly. <laughs> All right, so yeah, we're gonna move over to the National League side now, and. Uh, we're going to start with the Rookie of the Year. Um, Alex, who, who who do you got winning Rookie of the Year this year? So there's a couple names that are really nice here on the National League side. But, you know, I'm going to go with one that got some good experience last year. It looks like he's still going to be rookie eligible for this year. I'm going to go with a pitcher. Uh, starting pitcher here for the Marlins. I'm going to go with Sixto Sanchez. Sixto is a good guy that's got some pretty good stuff on him. Right now, we've seen what he did in the sample size of seven games in 2020 here. I mean, during that time was pretty darn solid. 3.46 ERA for, again, for a young guy with 33 strikeouts, only 11 walks. Not the best strikeout to walk ratio, but honestly, still pretty good. But he's got decent velocity. He's got a good sinker. I like what he brings to the table. I think that Sixto is going to be a good pitcher on a team that is starting to really come on the rise a little bit more. I think I do think that 2020 was a little bit of a fluke for the Marlins. Not too, not too much of an outlier, but a little bit of one. And 
I think that when you take a look at what Sixto is able to do, he's going to really shine on a Marlins roster that really is kind of looking for that spark. I think he could be that, the, the, at least the start of that light. Yeah, and Sixto really uh, impressed last year. Um, I know I got to watch him pitch a little bit uh, on TV because he he he's in the NL East, obviously. And I was very impressed with the stuff. You know, hard thrower, got good movement, good good secondary pitches. Uh, I, I completely understand where you're coming from. I mean, he got seventh in rookie of the year last year, uh, 39 innings, 3.46 RA. So uh, Sixto is a common pick, but actually – the guy I'm going with, I mean, he honestly, I've seen more people pick this guy, which is Cabrian Hayes. Uh, Hayes, you know, the Pirates are going to be awful this year. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. They went, um, if I'm not mistaken, yeah, that's right. They went 19 and 41 last year. And honestly, they're probably going to lose well over 100 games again this year. Um, but Hayes came up last year and in a terrible season for the Pirates, he was definitely a bright spot. Uh, he played in just 24 games, but somehow managed to accumulate 1.9 war in that time because he hit 376 with a 442 on base percentage and a 682 slugging percentage with a nice 1124 OPS, five homers, 11 RBIs. This is only in 95 plate appearances, but you know, when you have uh, so he had five homers, seven doubles, and two triples. As 14 extra base hits in 95 plate appearances. I, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying he's going to do that again this year, but uh, I, I am a big believer in Cabrian Hayes. I think this is a guy who, you know, he, he showed last year in his brief audition that he can hit. Uh, he's hitting well in spring training. He's in 450 across 43 plate appearances this spring makes hard contact. He can run a little bit. He's a very good defender. Uh, he racked up four defensive runs, saved at third base. And, you know, the Pirates, they, you know, they they need some they need something to get excited about. And I think that this is this is going to be it. I think Brian Hayes wins rookie of the year. And, you know, while the, the Pirates are going to be last place, the only reason people will go to games at PNC Park will be to watch Brian Hayes play. I mean, it's also just really fun. Some people really just kind of like the misery of saying, yep, we know we're going to lose. But, they, I mean, they like to see other teams, too. Uh, I mean, other other teams do come over to PNC Park to play baseball. It's not just the Pirates. Um, that's, no, okay, all jokes aside. Pirates are a bad team. Yeah, when the, when the Cubs come to town, maybe. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, it's fine. It's fine. I, 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 Brian Hayes is definitely an amazing player. I mean, I, I think that... I just I hope that what he's done was not a flash of the pan, but 24 games, 95 plate appearances, a little bit shy to really make a full sample size. But the fact he in that short amount of time was able to put it together, a batting average of 376, and like you said, an OPS right now of 1124, slugging 682, that at least deserves a second look, right? And an on base percentage of 442 as well. I mean. Cabrian Hayes is going to be a good player. I think that he's going to be good at the very least. I think it's going to come down between him and Sixto for the end of it, and I could really be swayed either way. Sixto, I think, is really good as well, and he just needs to continue on it. It's kind of funny that the rookie of the year for both of the... It's like rookie of the year for the National League is between two teams that are arguably for last place. Um, 
arguably. But, uh, you know, it, it really could go either way on this one. Yeah, and also, um, you know, it's not too often that you see guys get rookie of the year votes in two different seasons, but because of how strange last year was, uh, that's, that's going to happen most likely. I mean, mm-hmm. I think that in, uh, you know, in the NL, um, you know, was it Hayes got sixth, Sanchez tied for seventh. I think that both these guys definitely of, of the candidates out there. I mean, in the NL, other than those two, it's kind of tough to tell who else would be in the running. So, I mean, I think these guys are going to be the top two finishers. It can go either way. I personally think Hayes is going to do it, but I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if Sixto has a big season and is an all-star and is also could also win rookie of the year. So, um, I, I, I have Hayes, but you know, we'll we'll see what happens. Uh, I'm looking forward to get getting to see uh, Sixto pitch a fair amount uh, since he. Since he is a division rival, so um, it'll be interesting. It's going to be really fun to see in the National League to see who gets that big, who gets that big jump up forward. So you know, as we move on to some of these other awards, just keep keep an eye on both Sixto and on Cabrian Hayes. Both those two will be very fun players to watch on pretty bad overall teams. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so you know, the Pirates. The Pirates may lose well over 100 games, but uh, if Cabrian Hayes is up, make sure you're uh, make sure you're watching at some point. Um, all right, so let's move on to the. Can NL I say one? I will make one kind of like joke on it to all right, make a quote, ahead. just to make a joke on the Pirates. Is it's kind of like the 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 <laughs> it's kind of like the Durham Bulls. What is our record right now? Eight and sixteen. Eight and sixteen. How the heck did we even win eight? <laughs> that's basically going to be the Pirates this that, year. That's I mean. going to be the Pirates season this year. Their final record is going to be like forty-two and one hundred and twenty. Hey, how the heck did they even win forty? Sixty-two Mets. Yeah, I was like, how the heck did they even win forty? I mean, I mean, I think that this this man, I I I feel bad for Pirates fans, but at the same time, the Pirates are going to be this year what the. Uh, Cleveland Indians were supposed to be in Major League when uh, Rachel Phelps bought the team. Oh yeah, exactly. You but the problem is there's much less charisma on this Pirates team. Exactly. That's on that uh, Cleveland Indians team. There's less swagger and less amazing ball players that are definitely definitely just need a little bit of glasses to throw better. Yeah, agreed. All right, so now we'll move on to the NL Cy Young Award, uh, which. I think there's a clear favorite, but uh, Alex, uh, what, what's your take on this? I, I, yeah. I know I know who I'm thinking. So yeah, I think we're. I'm gonna be honest. I think we're thinking the same person, but we'll see. And you're gonna be very happy about my pick because I think it's the obvious one here, and that's going to be Jacob Degrom. Degrom is nice at baseball. He's extremely nice at baseball. He's very, he's very, very good at baseball. <laughs> he, especially with that fastball of his, that's in spring training. In spring training, mind you, is hitting high nineties and had believe in bullpens and in games has touched a hundred. What are you doing? He he this just does it. Str- yeah, this guy is a pitcher that can throw bullets. Has a curveball that falls right off of the table. What do you what more do you want? 
like seriously, what more do you want? This guy is an is an absolute all star, and you see what he's done in Major League Baseball the last four years. He has been in the Cy Young conversation within the top eight. Oh, and mind you, by the way, 2018 and 2019, he did win that Cy Young award. And in fact, in 2018, was fifth in the MVP voting as well. This guy is just really good at baseball. The last three years, he's been in the top three, winning it twice. Look, you see a guy where last year has a a FIP of 2.26 with a whip of less than one. It's stupid. He managed in just 12 games, just 12 games, to strike out 104 batters. Just to kind of let you know a little more, that is just, that is averaging just under 10 strikeouts per game. This guy is a strikeout artist like Picasso, man. This is a good ball player. This is one that is... That definitely, I know, makes you, Mac, extremely happy being a Mets fan. But, man, this guy is just good at baseball. Yeah, Jacob DeGrom, man, I, I cannot say enough good things about him. I mean, he's he, he's got two Cy Youngs to his name. And you got to remember, this guy, you know, he was a shortstop in college for a while. He didn't become a pitcher, really, until his senior year. And even that year, his ERA was over four. I mean, the Mets just happened to take him. And I, I remember when he came up and he was just supposed to be a spot starter. And, uh, you know, the big prospect that year was supposed to be Rafael Montero, who's now the Mariners closer, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yeah, he's in our bullpen. I don't think we have a closer this year. I'm pretty sure our closer is just a baseball. Like, yeah, I, exactly. I, I don't think we have, I don't think we have, a, we do not have a defined closer. He's probably going to be that closer, but please continue. Yeah, so DeGrom, I mean, obviously has far surpassed what Montero has done. I mean, he's now a three-time All-Star. Um, you know, in some ways, I, I expected him to do, uh, you know, or to get more Cy Young votes last year. He finished in third. Uh, on the surface, Trevor Bauer had him beat, uh, like, in ERA and in WHIP. But uh, the, the sabermetrics will show you that DeGrom was better in a lot of different ways. Um, it's going to really come down to uh, what voters value. I think that DeGrom is the clear favorite, but, you know, detractors will probably find ways to make him seem like not the clear favorite. I know there's this stupid debate going on with Yankee fans that between Jacob DeGrom and Garrett Cole, which I think is the dumbest conversation anyone can have. um, DeGrom is just, he throws heat. He's got killer breaking stuff. He strikes people out. uh, Led the NL with a He's actually led the NL in back-to-back years in strikeouts. He had 104 and only 68 innings last year, which is good for 13.8 strikeouts per nine. He struck out almost 40% of the batters he faced, which for a starting pitcher is basically unheard of. You know, he he just knows how to get guys out. I mean, he's got a fastball that he you mentioned it, his velocity, it was up to 98.6 miles per hour last year on average. His slide his slider, this is averages almost 93 miles per hour. And oh, I just, man, he, he's just so good that, like, almost like Mike Trout, I think that he, he should be the easy pick basically every year, albeit DeGrom is entering his age 33 season. So, obviously, this won't last forever. But right now, he's so, – people are saying that he's the best Mets pitcher since since Seaver, literally. So, you know, there, I'm sure there's going to be some competition maybe from, like, say, Walker Bueller or Clayton Kershaw type. But mm-hmm. – I think 
DeGrom, you know, his biggest problem has always been getting run support. Well, now the Mets have a lineup behind him, and detractors will use wins somehow to make him seem like less of a pitcher, but uh, he might actually rack up some wins. I don't like that statistic, but with the new Mets offense, I wouldn't be surprised if DeGrom gets close to 20 this year, so... I think he'll have basically every piece of the puzzle, and he'll he'll run away with this award. I I completely agree. I think with Degrom, this is, I don't want to say this is a one horse race because there are all, there are a lot of really good pitchers in the National League. Again, you brought up Kershaw, you brought up Bueller, you brought up Bauer. Oh, by the way, all three of them on the Dodgers. But you know, you look at Degrom, and you're just Degrom. I think is the one real pitch is the one pitcher in the National League. That if I was like say a Mike Trout or if I was a any other, he's the one that I'm like nah, I, I'm not going against him. That's the one. Yeah, guy he's that got. Like, I can't. Yeah, and like so many pitchers, so many different pitchers now have said that he's the toughest pitcher they've ever faced, and it's for good reason. So, man, I I cannot wait to see him take the mound next Thursday night. Um, he'll be facing Max Scherzer, who. I'm sure Scherzer, you know, Scherzer's getting up there in age, but he'll still be effective this year, I think. Uh, that's that's another that's a three-time Cy Young Award winner. Uh, I think that Degrom can get his third this year. Uh, a lot of people have said that three Cy Youngs is almost a benchmark for a Hall of Famer, so uh, hopefully he gets that this year. Yeah, I think that with him, if he can get and, that third other, Cy Young, yeah. on uh, this race. Yeah. No, yeah, if he gets that third Cy Young, I mean, I think I think this at this point he is the one guy that should win it this year. I think that overall, when it comes to Degrom, I can't think of another guy that's really in that same kind of league. And again, like you know, there's always going to be some guy that will come out of nowhere and will challenge. But nah, I, I think this is Degrom's race to win. Yeah, all right. So uh, why don't you say we move on to the NL MVP award, which will be the last award we are discussing. Um, Again, sort of uh, actually kind of unlike the Cy Young, I think this is sort of a tighter field. Uh, Why why don't you go ahead and uh, tell us who you're picking this year? Yeah, so I'm going to go with a guy that I personally really like. A lot of guys have really started to love him, and, I mean, it's always – Fun, especially when Joe Buck can't just say he's under 20 years old anymore. But, you know, you look at Juan Soto. You look at what he's able to do with a bat in his hands, and it's just stupid. Well, in the short 2020 season last year, batted 351, 490 on base percentage, 695 slugging, and an OPS of 1185. That's dumb. And if you want to go even further with it, over the three years that he has been in Major League Baseball, 2018 played 116 games, where he was second in the Rookie of the Year voting. Probably could have won it, but we'll get to that later. Um, Over his short three-year season, his three-year career, uh, he has a career average right now, batting at 295, which for a guy that they say is just a power hitter, hitting 295 is pretty dang impressive. A career on base percentage of 415, career sluggy 557, and a career OPS of 972, with a very nice 69 home run career as well. Like, this is a guy that's really good. He's racked up a war of just under 10 in basically what I'm going to say is really two years. 
because like at that point you put together the seasons of 2018 and 2020 game wise, he's only played 313 games in baseball. He already has a war of almost 10. He had a 2.4 war just in 60 games last season. In fact, actually less than 60, only 47 games. That's stupid. This is a guy that honestly is going to be another superstar. This is one that I legitimately do think could be on. I don't know if I want to say he's on that trout level with his bats. Fielding wise, yes, there's still some things to kind of work through. He's not the fielder that trout is, but with a bat in his hands, there is nobody that is as scary right now. There's very few that are as scary as Juan Soto is. He's a guy that I love watching because not only does he, not only does he, is he good himself, but he makes the others around him better because he is able to get into the minds of the pitchers. One of the things I love is whenever he takes a pitch at the ball, he does that lean forward, just kind of like a come at me, come at me type idea and i love that youth energy that he brings to the team he makes others better he is incredible in his own right i mean you took a look at the 2019 season which mind you that was a very good season for him and for the entire nationals team but he had just under 660 plate appearances he only struck out 132 times and walked over 100 times for a guy that people say is just a power hitter that's not right. This guy is a lot more than just a power hitter. He hits for contact. He hits for average. He hits for bombs. And on top of it, he's also pretty decent disciplined at the plate. Again, he, name me other power hitters. Name me other big old power hitters that strike out over 100 times, but also walk over 100 times. And you really can't. The list is pretty dang small. Especially when you look at the prototypical power guy. And for Juan Soto, he is just an absolute mammoth of a hitter. Again, the one matchup that's always going to be really fun to watch is that DeGrom v. Soto matchup. Because it's like watching two titans go at it. Yeah, I mean, Juan Soto is simply amazing. That is a guy I would want on my team. I mean, you know, he he's not much of a fielder. I will say that, you know, he... His career, negative 11 defensive run saved. He's going to be moving over to right field following the departure of, of Adam Eaton and the addition of Kyle Schwarber. But at the same time, when you hit the way he does, do you really need to be much of a fielder? Do you need to have much speed? I mean, this is like Barry Bonds at his peak, in my opinion. This is a guy who, you, you said it, I mean, he, he's got a great approach at the plate, um, especially for a guy who's only 22 i mean i don't know many other 22 year olds who come up to the majors and already know how to work long at bats and read pitchers like that i mean his his on-base percentage for his career is 415 already he's yet to have it be below 400 and last year albeit it was a 47 game sample size his on-base percentage was 490 i mean that's insane i just i think that soto is definitely a guy who it's just, I, I don't know the voters may, you know, they may give up a, a give a leg up to a guy like say Mookie Betts or something like that, who maybe not as much power, uh, very good offensively, but he's got more speed and defense. But in my book, I've, I've got Soto winning too. Um, 
I just think that with his offense, he's he's got more than enough to uh, to take home that award. It's kind of funny you brought up the idea that you don't really need to have defense when you hit that well. And you brought up some interesting names. The one that kind of comes up to my name is Teddy Ballgame, Ted Williams. Like he was or, or I mean, Barry Bonds even. Or Barry Bonds. Yeah, you brought Bonds. Yeah. I like the name. I like the the Teddy Ballgame adage just because again, he was by far the just the best hitter. And defensively, I mean, he wasn't horrible. He wasn't a horrible defender. He but wasn't that he wasn't good, gonna though. wow anybody like like Mike Trout does but like you see this and it's kind of funny we brought up speaking of mike trout we brought up that if you're going to start out a team or if you're going to have one guy that you want to pluck a close number two honestly for me is soto because at that point the only the thing that soto has over trout is that he's only 21 years old whereas trout is 29 and so that extra eight years gonna be nice to see him develop a little bit more i still take trout obviously every day of the week but soto makes a good case for why it also could and should be him you see what he's able to do with the plates and he is that he's the guy that you know you're going to slide in as the number three hitter you could even move him around if you wanted to with that on base percentage of his he put may not be a big runner even yeah put him a tool i mean heck if you really wanted to put some fear into a pitcher and set the tone of a ball game heck make him the, the lead off guy yeah, yeah how funny off. would that be? I mean, he's got an on-base percentage last year of 490. I mean, that's better than a lot of leadoff guys. And he's a number three. He also won the batting crown, I mean, so. Exactly. So what more do you want? Last year, led the league in batting average, slugging, OPS, and even OPS plus. Two, 218 OPS plus, by the way, which yeah. is uh, that's uh, insane. almost unheard of. And also yeah. uh, 12 intentional walks, which mm-hmm. uh, that may pale in comparison to what Barry Bonds once did. But if you're leading the league intentional walks, chances are you're a very good hitter. And, you know, you you watch, you watch him hit. I mean, you have him stepping in the plate. You'd think he'd be like a, a seasoned veteran, but no, he's a 22 year old. Who's only been in the majors for basically two, two and a half seasons, maybe. Yeah. If you look at the actual, like the straight up totals right now, he is at one game above two seasons like, yeah so <laughs> what more do you I just... want what this is a guy that we're again we keep bringing up the age just because like just like joe buck but you you look at this guy and this is a guy that just barely now is at the age where he could go and sell, go and sell, grab a couple of beers with the teammates after a big win he's just barely at that age now and he's able to do these incredible things watching him play is really kind of what is really one of these like epitome, one of the epitomes of the youth movement, because he is a young guy that puts butts in seats. People come to watch him, and he brings an excitement to the game. People, young guys, want to watch Juan Soto because you know you're going to see a guy that has a bit of an attitude to him. He's a guy that is incredible to watch. You know, the more than likely he's going to stay stay clean, but you look at him and. Again, I just I keep going back to the small little move he does, the the one where again when a ball comes up, the, the soda shuffle, the ball, the so yeah, the little soda shimmy, where he just goes up, that just leans forward at the pitcher. How many young guys have the cojones to do that to say like a a Clayton Kershaw or to a Jacob Degrom and say to them, "Come at me," and you and that pitcher goes, "Oh no." <laughs> 
because they're in the zone. They are ready to go, and Soto is that guy. Yeah, and uh, I mean, a lot of power hitters have a strikeout problem. You sort of said this earlier, but Soto actually, I mean, he last year, again, limited sample size, but he walked 41 times and only struck out 28. I mean, he's not a guy who, he's not going to be like, Aaron Judge draws a lot of walks, but he also strikes out a lot. Uh, same with guys like Joey Gallo uh, or Joey Adam, Gallo. Yeah. Adam Dunn, like those type of guys. But oh, Soto isn't, or yeah, Stanton, but like Soto's not going to be that. He's going to be a guy who will work his at-bats. He'll, he'll make contact when he needs to. He'll shorten up. He's, he's very much like Barry Bonds when he was at his peak. So I mean, I think the Nationals, they're not going to – I don't think the Nationals are really going to compete for that division crown. But if there's going to be anything that makes them an exciting team to watch, it's going to be Juan Soto's play. I think that this is definitely someone that you're going to want to watch. It's going to be must-see TV when he's up, especially with the runners on base. Uh, I I mean, when he was at City Field last year, he hit some of the most impressive home runs uh we have ever seen which was he hit one i believe he hit one off of steven mass that was about 465 or something and then the next day we uh city field has an uh the second deck is called the coca-cola corner and soto the next day facing robbie zellman hit a three-run homer that cleared the coca-cola corner he, he hit it over everything in right field so um, stupid i don't stupid. think we I, I think he's the only player that has done that so if you're doing that Man, the, the the sky is the limit for Juan Soto. Uh, I really wish he was a better defender, but like I said earlier, if you're if you're, if you're hitting the way he does, I mean, de- I don't know if defense matters as much. It, it really doesn't, and that's what's kind of funny. Like you always kind of wonder, like with these guys that are just the bat, that the defense doesn't matter. You move over to the American League. Do you make them just a permanent DH? Just or to you make sure you always have base even or something like that. Yeah, well, I mean, I think first base still has a lot of defense. You still need some defense to play first. Yeah, yeah, yes, that is true. mm -hmm. I think that it's kind of funny because if you know that that bat is like a precious commodity, it is the crown jewel, put him as a DH and he is going to be able to play 160 games a season. He's going to probably play probably closer to 155. But like... You see this, and he is just an outstanding player. And I want to see him play for a while. I want to see just him continue to grow. Because if he's doing these numbers at age 21, imagine what he's going to be doing at age 26, at age 27, 28, when he's starting to Yeah, once, once he gets into his prime, I, I'm, like, terrified of what that's going to look oh, like. Oh, no, yeah, no. It's going to be like watching Mike Trout play baseball. That's what it is. Base, the only difference the, the is base, I think the baseball world is scared of what prime Juan Soto is going to do. And if I can say, well, this is kind of off topic, but on topic at the same time, there was a, I want to say, go back even 10 years ago, maybe a little less than that, and a lot of people were scared for baseball, that baseball was going to start dying because... It because people just it wasn't drawing the crowds. People were getting bored sitting through a three-hour game. There then the people like Mike Trout came into the game and made it exciting. Now you have guys like Juan Soto making the game exciting, giving the phrase "just let the kids play," and it is it's really what's revitalized baseball and what has really made the game itself. Honestly, I hate to use this term, but it's really kind of made it great again. 
And it's it's not like it's never been great. It's just like it didn't have the drawing power. But you know what? These guys are creating draw power, and I love that because it's making the game fun for young people to get into baseball and learn baseball to keep this great sport alive. Yeah, and I'm so I'm so happy there are players like this, and it's it's great that it's the young guys like Soto and Tatis that are making the game super exciting to watch. I mean, I. I, I remember when I was younger, I had a group of friends who were huge into baseball. But as time went on, as I got into high school, uh, even in middle school, there are just there are fewer and fewer baseball fans that I, I could talk to uh, at school. And now, um, no, baseball is coming back. And I'm really happy that there, there are players like Soto, like Tatis. And I think uh, we, we need more players like that and mm-hmm. players who are not only just really good at what they do, but also who make the game exciting, who have fun while they're playing it, show show emotion, show, you know, have swagger, confidence. Like, th- those are the things that we need more of, you know. Let the kids play. Um, mm-hmm. Enough of the complaining about unwritten rules and stuff. Like, let's have some fun with it. And uh, I think that's definitely something Juan Soto is doing. I think it's really funny you brought up Fernando Tatis Jr. and we didn't even bring him up in the hall in the not the Hall of Fame the MVP discussion, which I mean he I think he does deserve to be in. He's definitely deserving of that conversation, but he just went through this huge contract thing where he's going to be making a lot of money over a long period of time. Just imagine when Tatis actually when just imagine when Soto oh goes it's through gonna that be same horrifying. thing. It's going to be horrifying for. Everyone that is not Tatis and his agent. Yeah. It's literally. like those guys are going to get the biggest payday that life has ever seen. But man, oh man, he's going to command a king's ransom just to play baseball. And hopefully Honestly, that doesn't. He could get, he could get 500 million even. I, I, I don't think that's too far out of the realm of possibility. Yeah. I really don't. I think that's very possible. Oh man, I wonder just like while how this is going on slightly off topic. I wonder how long it is until we're seeing literal billion dollar contracts. Uh, well, we're we're a ways away from that. We're a ways away from that, but like but it's kind I of don't. Fun. I mean, we take a look at what baseball was like, say even ten, like even twenty years ago, where the highest contracts were in the maybe eight digits, they like eight nine digits. Yeah, I just wonder how long it is until we finally see. Baseball make a billionaire. Well, when when Babe Ruth got a uh, hundred thousand uh, dollars, the Yankees owner uh, proclaimed that no baseball player would ever get more money than that. <laughs> and and now that's like below the league minimum. Yeah, that's yeah, that's below league minimum now. I mean, <laughs> oh, man, it's gonna be something. Man, anyway. Yeah. So Juan, Juan Soto. Both so both of us have picked Juan Soto. Uh, do you want to just go recap uh, who you had in, in each award? Yeah, so for the American League Rookie of the Year, I had Jared Kelnick, National League Rookie of the Year. I have uh, Sixto Sanchez. American League Cy Young, I have Shane Bieber. And National League Cy Young, I have Jacob deGrom. And in the American League, the MVP is going to be Mike, the absolute greatest trout. And then Juan, I am still young, but I am still really, really damn good. It, uh, Juan Soto. Yeah, so in the NL, sorry, uh, starting from the rookie of the years, I had uh, Garrett Crochet in the AL, Cabrian Hayes in the NL. Uh, for the Cy Youngs, I had Tyler Glasnow in the AL. In the NL, I had Jacob deGrom. And in for the MVPs, I also had Mike Trout in the AL and Juan Soto in the NL. So with that, uh, anything else you want to say before we wrap up? 
Nah, I think that right now this is – I'm really excited for baseball season to come up. It is oh, – wow, it is really less than a week away, about a week away or so. And I'm so excited to get to see the return of baseball and to see fans in the stands too. The fact that like, it's not full capacity at a lot of places, but just to see that we're not going to just see cardboard cutouts. I mean, last last year at this time – we were sad because there we knew there was going to be no baseball at least for a while. And even midway through the season, there was a photo that was submitted as this is dystop. This is what dystopia looks like, and it was of at uh, the Athletics Coliseum playing baseball, surrounded by cardboard cutouts with an orange sky because of all the smoke, all the smoke and all the fire, and. The fact that now, less than a year later, we're starting to get back to normal is it's it's it just it warms my heart. It really does. And it just makes me so happy to see. Yeah, man, it's, you know, six days away as of uh, the day we're recording. You know, we're we're so close. I, I, I cannot wait. Spring is in the air. Uh, I definitely am getting more energy. Uh, as baseball season nears, and wow, I think that uh, I, man, I am so excited for this season. Uh, I, I I don't know, I you know, there's that uh, who was it that said the uh, was it? Uh, they, there was that famous quote that uh, you know, what, what what do you do during baseball season? You know, it's or when it's oh, not baseball oh, yeah. season. I think it was yeah. yeah. Yeah, basically, you stare out, stare out the window and wait for it to be baseball season. I mean, that that's basically what it is. So uh, with that, we're going to wrap up the show. Uh, I want to thank all of you uh, for listening. Uh, let let us know uh, on Twitter at OTH underscore Cheap Seats uh, what your awards predictions are and who you think we got wrong. And you can bookmark it for when we, it, the end of the season comes and maybe we're not so right. So uh, you can follow me at Matthias underscore a underscore K on Twitter. You can follow Alex at the sports guy two, four, two. Don't forget to follow the overtime heroics baseball Twitter at baseball underscore OTH for Alex and the rest of the cheap seats chatter crew. This has been Matthias Alman Kurosaki. I hope to see you guys all real soon.